Dear congregation, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Epistle to the Hebrews. Epistle to the Hebrews. And we'll read the first chapter and through chapter 2, verse 4. Our text will come from the first four verses of chapter 1 as we begin a series of sermons on the Epistle to the Hebrews. God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail But to which of the angels had he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which had at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Amen. May God bless the reading of his precious and infallible word. May also bless the exposition of it. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is with a bit of excitement and I look forward to walking through this epistle this epistle to the Hebrews with you. And one of the reasons is the author of Hebrews so beautifully weaves the Old and New Testament 
together in this epistle as he sets forth before us the glory and the supremacy of Jesus Christ in truth. As the author deals with the truths of Jesus Christ and who he is, he he takes these biblical doctrines and uses them to call us to faith and repentance and to service in his kingdom in simple and compelling ways. These truths that are found in this epistle to the Hebrews are the glorious gospel that needs to become real and applicable in our lives. And that's the goal of the author. And it doesn't matter who we are in this world, does it? We are always looking for something better. Something better. Sometimes we're looking for better education. We're looking for a better home. We're looking for a better environment. We're looking for a better car. We're looking for better profitability. We're looking for better working conditions. None of these things are necessarily wrong. But how is this spiritually? Are we always looking for better? Well, the author to Hebrews sets forth before us the better, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is better than anything imaginable because He is the best that God had to offer to us. And so, if you're looking for anything better, the only way anything can be better in your life is to be in the one who is better, even best in this world, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I mentioned the author to Hebrews. I'm not going to speculate who the author is. The text doesn't explicitly tell us who the author is. And therefore, we leave it to God. God knows, and it is His Word. And it is His Word that has been given by His Spirit even to us today. But also, an original audience, namely the Hebrews. And again, we don't know, we can't say for certain where this church was exactly located either. So no use speculating on it. However, we can say this about the church of Hebrews. That they were impacted by suffering and persecution and imprisonments. And certainly would be looking for something better. And since... They are called throughout this epistle to the Lord Jesus Christ and not to shrink back from suffering, not to shrink back from persecution, but to practice true head, heart, and hand religion. This is what they're called to. And they're called to be careful not to apostatize or to leave the faith. We also know this church was impacted by False teachers, whether they were inside or outside the church, they were impacted by them. And these were Judaizers, those who, those who were early Christians then were possibly even Jews who grew up in the Jewish faith and raised in Judaism. They were raised in all of the traditions of Judaism. They were raised with the sacrifices, the feast days that they had to had to perform in all of the works righteousness, the ceremonial laws. 
And this had become a dead religion filled with empty rituals for many in this context. And many were in danger of thinking it was better then rather than now. And so they were on the brink of returning maybe to this dead and empty religion of Judaism. And the author of Hebrews points them directly to a better, to a superior religion. One that wasn't dead, but filled with life. A living religion in the Lord Jesus Christ who was superior to angels, superior to prophets, superior to, to priests and kings, superior to everything that Judaism held to. Even after the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the audience today is not much different because the question comes to each and every one of us, who is Jesus Christ? Who is He? What does He mean for me personally? And what does His truths mean to me personally? What does it mean to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be in the Gospel? You see, the greatness of any of these things, the greatness of who church, what church is, the greatness of the Gospel, the greatness of anything, needs to be grounded in the excellency of Jesus Christ. In a sense, we also, like the original audience, are at a crossroads where there is so much apostasy in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today looking for a better way to heaven. One that's not confronted with the reality of who Jesus is. And maybe the truth of who Christ is has even been become inconvenient for you because you do not want Him to be Lord of your entire life. I don't know. But I do know this. My prayer is that through the preaching of the epistle of Hebrews that Christ will become altogether glorious and excellent in His person, in His work, in His office, and in His inheritance. In other words, may the glorious brightness of Jesus Christ, the only mediator between God and man, who is the chief prophet, our only high priest, and our eternal king, cause us to confess Him and to live in the reality that Christ is head over all exalted seated at the right hand of God and has been given all the nations for His inheritance to rule over them and to put all His enemies under His footstool. The message is always this from the beginning of Hebrews to the end of Hebrews. Christ is better. Better than dead religion. Better than angels. Better than kings. Better than high priests. Better than prophets. Better than the brotherhood we experience here below. He is superior to all things. And so as we look at this book, I would like to introduce it 
with the theme of the book, really, the superiority of Jesus Christ. And especially as we look at these first four verses of the introduction to this book, I want to introduce that with the theme, Hear Him. The superiority of Jesus Christ. Hear Him, first of all, in His revelation. In His revelation. The book of Hebrews begins with the word God. God. No introduction like many of the other epistles. No greetings. Nothing. It begins bluntly and perfectly with the word God. God. It begins very similarly to the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God. And see, when we think about communication and the importance to hear God, we need to recognize that communication begins with God. God takes the initiative to speak. And He's been speaking in creation and especially in redemption. And so we find here God in various times, in various ways, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. And he begins with God's past revelation in various times. This is speaking primarily of God's special revelation. We can talk about His general revelation and creation, but he gets right into the special revelation of God as he spoke by the prophets, His way of salvation. And he did so in in various ways times to the fathers. He did so to Adam in the garden. And there showed Adam and Eve the the sacrifice that would be coming and gave them a wonderful and glorious promise. There will come a seed who will crush the head of the serpent. He comes to Noah. He walks and talks with Enoch and Noah, and Noah especially as he's building the ark. He speaks to his patriarchs, to Abraham, calling him out of Ur of the Chaldees, giving them promises of a seed and of a land and of an inheritance. He speaks through Moses as as that first prophet, that prophet who, who, who gives us the first five books of the Bible. And to Israel and all the way through Malachi, he's speaking through the prophets. God is progressively revealing himself, his word, his gospel, his covenant to prepare a way for a better covenant in the New Testament. Now that doesn't mean a new covenant, a different covenant, but this new covenant is a better one. One that's perfectly clear, most revealed. And so, in times past, in various times, He spoke. He spoke from the beginning. He's speaking today. And He spoke in the beginning in various ways. He used His own voice. He used angels to communicate His message. He used dreams and visions and, and His Word as the prophets gave it to the people. But now He comes and He says, presently, He has spoken to us in His Son. He has spoken to us by His Son. 
in these last days. Now, what are the last days? That last days are from the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and to the very end of time is the last days. And today, He is speaking through His Son. But notice here that God's present revelation and present proclamation is not of a different speaker, but the same speaker. The same speaker in the Old Testament is the same speaker in the New Testament. And God is now speaking in a full and fulfilled way through His Son. The promises of the Old are now fulfilled in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have His full revealed Word and testimony. And it's a trustworthy word of prophecy as we find in 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, Peter is saying, we we didn't follow cunningly devised fables to bring this word to you. No, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We heard the excellency from glory when He spoke, this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You are called to hear Him and His revelation. And so now He says, this prophetic word is confirmed. It's trustworthy. It's sure. And this is a final revelation. There's nothing more to say. And there's nothing more that needs to be said unto us. And there's nothing more important than we hear Him. God has spoken, and He's spoken loud and clear. He has a superior revelation. Hear Him in His revelation. Secondly, He says to hear Him in His person. In His person, His Son. He has spoken to us by His Son. The person of His Son, who's the heir of all things. It legitimizes the very fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because a father, to give an inheritance to his son, means that he for sure is his son. He's a legitimate son to receive this heir, this inheritance. This is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who we go on to read is the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. His Son is God Himself and He's been given unto us as the God-man enfleshed. The enfleshment of God. But Jesus Christ from eternity to eternity is the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. What does that mean? That He is the brightness of His glory or you could say even the radiance of His glory. Now, we, we recognize when we're using this word, especially in the Greek, it's, it's not a mere reflection like, like the moon reflects the light of the sun. No, He is the source of light itself. He's the source of brightness. He's the source of radiance. And He radiates the Father's glory. He has within Himself all of the attributes of God that we learned about. His, the fact that He's eternal and omnipotent and infinite and, and omniscient and, and everywhere present and everything. He reflects the glory of God 
to us the brightness, the radiance of his glory. And that's why, as we saw last week in John 14, when Philip asked him, show us the Father, and it suffice us, that Jesus said to him, Philip, have I been so long with you, and you have not seen the Father? Because if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Because I am the express, I am the, bright, I am the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. When you look at me, Philip, you have seen the Father. Now, we also know from Philippians 2 that that Jesus did not think it was robbery to be equal with God because He was God and is God and forever will be God. And so He could say, I am. And yet He He took upon Himself our flesh. He veiled His glory, the brightness of His glory, so we could behold Him with our natural eyes as to who He is. And yet, even in his incarnation, he is the express image, the exact image of God's person. All the properties of God are in Jesus Christ from eternity to eternity, even in his incarnation. This word for image is is, um, a word that we take, you know, icon, icon. We think of an icon or a logo on a business or something like that, and it shows us what it stands for. The owner, the vision of the business, the work of the business, the employees of the business, the product of the business are all bound up in that logo, that icon. And so also in the Lord Jesus Christ, as He took upon Himself our flesh, He reveals to us the Father. He reveals to us His Godhead with an icon, a logo as it were. He indeed is the owner and has a vision and a work and an inheritance. In His humanity exists the totality of God. There's no other religion that has something like this all of which are false and dead. None of them have a person who is God in human flesh. He is superior over all gods, little g gods, because He is God Himself. We find that John chapter 1, we find that here, find that in Titus 2 as we look for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, if Jesus was not fully, truly, 100% God, there would be no possibility for salvation. He sets before us the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he asks you and he asks me, what do you think about Jesus? And I'm not saying I can even comprehend these truths of who he is as truly God and truly man, but there are either two realities. One reality would be that Jesus and the Word of God lie about who he is. 
And if he's not a liar, the only other reality is that he is Lord, even as he says he is. He's a creator, a savior, a judge, a Lord. And he is Lord over all things. And if he is Lord over all things, in his very person, hear him. Hear him in his person. Second, thirdly, hear him in his work. Hear him in his work. He's superior in his work. Through whom also he made the world. He made the world through this person, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He spoke everything into existence as we read in Genesis 1 and in John 1. We read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. He spoke it. He was the Word that spoke creation into existence. As we read in the Psalms, by the Word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Oh, dear congregation, through His work of creation, the only conclusion you can come up with is that the theory of evolution blatantly calls God a liar, one who cannot be trusted. But we read in His Word that the earth is the Lord's. His air, His water, His food, His material, it's all His. Even our own bodies are not our own. No, they are the Lord's. They are the Lord's. He made us. And not we ourselves. And not only did he make us, but he upholds all things. He upholds all things, says the author to Hebrews, by the word of his power. Every second he's providing for, every second he's upholding all things in this world. And he does so effortlessly through his word, the power of his word. Every electron and proton and every atom is upheld by His Word. The sparrows are upheld by His Word. Every person is upheld by His Word. Every planet and every star and every galaxy are all upheld by the Word of His power. Everything is upheld by His Word. Everything is in His faithful hands. And you think it's radical that God spoke everything by the word of His power and He, and by the word of His power He upholds all things. Well, you haven't heard anything yet. You haven't heard the full vision of Jesus Christ for His people and how great it is because in His work He also has purged our sins. Notice how the author to Hebrews says that. When he by himself purged our sins. He himself, the very word that created the heavens and the earth, the very word that upholds everything, it, he became flesh himself, his very creation. 
Because we have sinned and come short of His glory. And He come to purge, to pardon, to forgive all of our sins, to cleanse us from sin. And He did so through His superior sacrifice for sin. All of the Old Testament through the prophets as He spoke in times past in various ways spoke through these sacrifices that there would be one who would come and die for sin once and for all to give a perfect sacrifice for sin. As they looked at the scapegoat when the sins were placed upon it and sent out into the wilderness to take the sins away from the camp, Jesus Christ has come to suffer outside the camp, to go outside, to suffer the shame, and to take away all the sins to be eradicated forever and ever. That's even more amazing than the fact that He's created everything out of nothing and upholds everything by the Word of His power. Such a God to condescend and to take upon Himself our flesh and to die in our place. To take away the sins of the world. That's His vision. His vision is always for His people. His inheritance. And He goes to work to create them and to uphold them and to purchase them by His power. The power of His sacrifice. Hear Him. Because His sacrifice And the vision for His people and His work is accepted before God, His Father in heaven. And now He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high and given a name above all names. Hear Him, not only because of His person and His work, but also His very office as being a mediator between God and man. That's our fourth point. Hear Him in His office. Because He was faithful to that office as the perfect office bearer. The One who is the mediator between God and man. He carried the office of being a mediator. The only mediator, Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, there were many mediators. We think of Moses as they were before the Mount, Mount Sinai. And the people says, you go before God lest we die. And so Moses, a mediator between God and man, goes between them as a prophet. There were mediators between God and man and the high priest. And they would pray for the people. They would make offerings on behalf of the people. They would confess the sins of the people, place them on that scapegoat, and they would be taken away. But there was, there's a better high priest. There's a better prophet than Moses. There's a better high priest than Aaron or Melchizedek. It's the Lord Jesus Christ whose word is sure. Who as a high priest being superior to to the high priest of the Old Testament and Aaron himself. He is a high priest who we can trust, who we can count on. And His Word is sure. He is a King who sits on high. Who is a better kingdom than David. A kingdom that shall not be shaken. And He will rule forever and ever as He is seated, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. 
There's no earthly example that even compares to Jesus Christ. But maybe this example will help us. Imagine, children, if you stole candy from a store. And you're at home and your dad has seen you eating some of this candy. He said, where did you get that from? And you get all flush and embarrassed and you, you don't know how to say it. And your dad realizes that you stole candy from the store. And so as your dad realizes this, he becomes your mediator. Maybe you don't fully understand everything yet and your dad has to come down and as a prophet he has to tell you what you have done wrong. What you have done wrong. He wants you to be reconciled first of all with God and so he prays with you and maybe even confesses your sin with you to God and directs you to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness in order to be reconciled to God. And in order to be be reconciled with society, He takes you to the store. And He tells the store owner that you have stolen some candy. And He shows him the wrappers and He pays the bill with interest. He pays for what you have done. And then tells you that as the one who is guiding you as a parent and and your home life needs to be governed by the Word of God and therefore this behavior is unacceptable as a family member and there will be consequences for such actions. And so as a king, he governs your home. You see what your dad is doing is he's being a mediator. A go-between between you and God for an offense you have committed against the law of God. And a go-between between you and society as he makes reconciliation and pays the debt you owe for stealing. But the Lord Jesus Christ is a far superior mediator. He's one that maybe your father can identify with you. He was young too. But the Lord Jesus Christ, as our mediator, comes down from heaven, veils his glory, and dwells among us and identifies with us. He knows that we've all sinned and come short of his glory, the glory he's created us with, the glory we've lost in paradise. And he tells us through his prophetic word that we are in the wrong that we are destined for hell and totally depraved. He tells us that we are sinners before God. And yet as this as his high priest, he takes the sacrifice of himself into the holy of holies and he presents it to his father at his right hand and says, Father, look at my scars. Look at the hole in my side. Look what I have done for my people. As he has the ear of his father sitting right next to it, he prays for us. Confessing our sins. Praying that God would preserve us and keep us from evil. To provide for us. 
And then he comes and he tells us by his Holy Spirit how to live a life that is governed by him, by his word, in the family of God as his dear children. But you've got to hear him. You've got to hear him. You could go a thousand other places to a thousand other counselors. You could hear them. But you've got to hear God in Jesus Christ for true peace, for true fulfillment in this life and for the next. Hear Him because of His revelation that's superior his person that's superior to everyone. His work that's, that's absolutely superior, satisfied, accepted by God. Hear Him in His office, perfectly faithful. But also hear Him in His inheritance. He has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. I don't want to get into the whole angel's discussion of how he's superior to angels necessarily here, because that will come next, next Lord's Day when we look at how he is superior than the angels. But, but for, for now, recognize that this, that this book, Epistle of the Hebrews, is written based on three psalms. Psalm 2, Psalm 8, and Psalm 110. And in Psalm chapter 8, we recognize that man was created just a little lower, higher than the the angels. And he fell into the abyss. And yet Jesus Christ now is, is, is now greater, more superior than the angels. The second Adam who has an inheritance as a son of God. And this inheritance has placed him in a position of power and authority over all things. And there, he's been given a name or a position and power and authority. That all authority and power has been given in heaven and upon earth. And there's no higher position in this world, no higher power in this world than Jesus Christ Himself. There's no authority outside of Jesus Christ. And to assume to have more power or authority than Christ, or to have power or authority without Christ, is blatant blasphemy. Because He is the heir of all things. And He has been given a name above all names. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow. Everyone. That's His inheritance. And that inheritance includes possessions. He is the heir of all things. Sometimes we ask the question, what is the world going to? And people will say it's going to hell in a handbasket. But it's not. It's going to Jesus Christ. Everything. Everything you have in life. Everything you own in life. Everything is going to Jesus Christ. 
The whole world that He's created and everything in it, the whole universe is going to Jesus Christ. Everything. The nations belong to Him. The whole world belongs to Him. All things belong to Him and will be rendered to Him. That's what the other two psalms speak about. Psalm 2, which we sang, Ask of me, says the Lord, and I will give you, Jesus Christ, the nations for your inheritance and the end of the earth for your possessions. And you shall break them with the rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. This is the message of Psalm 2. Kings, hear Him. The message of Psalm 110 is similar. The Lord said unto my Lord, Jesus Christ, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. And so he says to us today, enemies, hear him and voluntarily surrender to him in the day of his power. Because in the day of his power, he will receive not only possessions, he will receive people. Real people. Some to glorify him in his eternal destruction forever, and others to welcome into his inheritance of all things forever and ever. A people who have an elder brother who identifies with. A people who have a Savior preparing an eternal rest for us. A people who have a high priest who sympathizes with us. A people who have their anchor of hope lying in heaven at the right hand of God whose sins are covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. A people who worship the Lord for who He is. A people who have fellowship with His people. A people who have a cloud of witnesses to learn from as they look to the Lord Jesus Christ. A people who are called to brotherly love. A people who are called to service in the Lord. These are people for whom Jesus had gone outside the camp, suffering for their sins, bearing their shame, to take away their sins so that they could be called the family of God, that we might be His peculiar treasure, His most prized possession, His vision for His inheritance. His people are His inheritance. And His people are called to hear Him, to believe Him, to worship Him, to serve Him. And we are continually put on notice from the beginning of Hebrews to the end of Hebrews to hear Him because His revelation is superior. His Word is superior. God, who in times past and in various ways spoke to us by the prophets, but now has spoken by His Son. And when we come to the end of this pericope in chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, we are called to give a most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? 
which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. And it's confirmed through those who heard him, bearing witness with signs and wonders and miracles. We must give a more earnest heed, diligence in hearing. Hearing Jesus Christ. It's not the only place in Hebrews. Hebrews 3, verse 7, the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Hear Him. At the end of Hebrews, the very end, He says, Brethren, bear with this word of exhortation. But this is the reason in chapter 12. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now his promise saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And that, not once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving His inheritance, a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Hear Him, for He, God, is a consuming fire. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, You are supreme in everything, head over all things exalted, one who's seated at the right hand of God Himself, one who's created all things and by very word of Your power upholds all things and who's even given Yourself for our sins that we might be a part of Your glorious inheritance. Oh God, Give us grace to hear you in your saving work, to hear your lordship over us in our lives, that we might know what it means to be a part of your kingdom and to walk worthy of the calling as Christians, as children of God. Bless us in your grace. And by your Spirit that our ears will be opened and he who has an ear to let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We pray this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.